Hello and welcome to this week's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Tash. I'm Emma. And I'm Becky. Hello. Hello. What's going on, champignon? (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) What's going on, mushroom? (laughs) I didn't know how to start it, so I just wanted to say what's going on with you guys. Mushrooms so much. Depends where they're growing. I mean, if they're on my feet, I'm not a Uh, fan. uh, (laughs) Why do you have to instantly make that gross? And I was about to chime in saying I love garlic mushrooms, but now I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> I went to a Chinese buffet and I had chicken stuffed mushrooms and it was so delicious. Oh, I've heard of m- mushroom stuffed chicken, but not no, chicken stuffed mushrooms. Round, it was so good. Oh. You can vegify that. Stuff a mushroom with some boursin cheese oh. and then grill it and it's amazing. Does it go bubbly? Oh. Oh, you wrap it in foil and yeah. then you grill it on like a barbecue or something. Nice. That's what we do for our veggie barbecues. Ooh. Very nice. I'm mm. there for it. When I went to America, I went to Shake Shack. So I don't know if they exist outside of America yet. I'm not sure. I've heard of it. You've heard of it. They do a burger. So you can either have it with a burger or by itself where it's like a giant mushroom, which is stuffed with cheese and then oh, breaded. So it's like so a breaded burger. Delicious. It is stupidly nice. Nice. You can have it on top of like a beef or or chicken burger or just on itself. Oh, God, it's so nice. What, what an intro. Cooking with spine chili and serial killers. <laughs> we love a bit of champignon. And funny that mushrooms have inspired us so much, but they are delicious. Mm. They are. Yeah. Unless they're growing on the end of your cock, in which case do oh. not do oh. not. <laughs> Meg. No, but also, if it wasn't for mold, which is like a type of mushroom, I suppose, we wouldn't have penicillin. So we'd all like be dead. Yeah. So thank you, mushrooms. We are forever we love in mushrooms, your debt. Unless you're growing on my vagina. <laughs> God, babe, they're growing everywhere on you. <laughs> yeah. Why are you so obsessed with vagina mushrooms and dick mushrooms and feet mushrooms? Why? They're the worst type. Vagrooms. I've just decided to be disgusting. I've got absolutely no defence. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, be careful with the way that you're laughing because I, a snore is not far away. I can see what your face looks like while you're laughing and I swear... A snort isn't far. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> oh, and I don't have uh, mushrooms growing on my penis. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> Mainly because you don't have a penis. <laughs> Mate, I'm just saying, you've never seen it, right? You don't know what's going on down there. I mean... <laughs> well, what a way to start a podcast, eh? If you're still here, well done. Oh, Right. <laughs> Listener stuff. Listeners. Do you have a penis mushroom? <laughs> Actually, I just want to do something. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. somebody. Yeah, I want to dance with somebody. With somebody who loves me. I know that you all missed that last week, so yeah. you're welcome. Yeah, I could hear you, even though you weren't there. I could hear that, what I you know. just did. I yeah, know. I knew. I think Becky stood up and... She tried. Know. She tried. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Look, we all know I'm rather vocally challenged, so... I thought it was beautiful. Actually, I'm... no, actually, I did, you. you did do really well, so felicitations. Oh, thank you. Champignon. Champignon. <laughs> and the song that I did was I Can't Feel My Face by The Weeknd. And I had three correct answers, which was Stacey, Nicole and Ruth. So well done, ladies. So I'd like well to say done. that was a really hard one because some of the lyrics... Hard. No, it really was. Because <laughs> some, of the, okay. some of the lyrics are similar to other songs. The other song that I got was Forever Young, and I've not, I can't say Forever I know Young, that song. And I'm sure yeah, that's One Direction. Forever Young, I want to be 
forever young. Is it not that one? Yeah. Is that like, that's either like the wanted or one direction or something like that? I don't know. If you go and look up the lyrics to I Can't Feel My Face, he's saying he knows this girl's bad news. They're going to get addicted to drugs and they're both going to die. And that's exactly what my story was about. So it wasn't that hard. Okay, well, well done. I, I enjoyed it. Oh, good. I'm glad. And the other thing is we had a really nice comment on TikTok. It was ages ago and I kept meaning to read it out and I keep forgetting to read it out. So I'm going to read it out now. Go on then. Oh. Oh, while I'm looking for it, Tash, I'm sorry to break your heart, darling, but do you know that guy who was hitting on you on TikTok? Yeah. Fucking proposed to me today, mate. Which one? I saw that and I was like, well, I'm not going to say anything and cause drama. The guy who was like on your wood chopping video saying, oh, I can chop wood and I'm hotter and... What? Where did he propose to you? On my latest video, he's like, will you marry me? And I was like, well, I'm married, but thanks for the proposal. Yeah, thanks for the ego boost, bearded man. Yeah. Okay, so the nice comment. Are you all right, Tash? You're not too heartbroken. Well, I'm just a bit put out, to be honest, but it's fine. And I feel really <laughs> left out because I have not been proposed to at all. I'm actually going to do... I'm actually going to respond to his comment later, so... Yes, yeah. do. Make a TikTok. I'm going to. Because at the minute, our TikTok is just, Hi, it's Emma from Swine Shooters and Serial Killers, and I'm really awkward in front of a camera, but I'm going to try anyway. That's literally what our TikTok <laughs> page is. <laughs> uh, oh, Tash is pissed off. I would not like to be like that, man. No. Nope. Nope. Anyway, we got a comment from Toby the Boy who said, you girls are awesome. I love the singing, snorting, dating, and the laughter. You keep me awake. I'm a night custodian. So there you go. So thank you very much, Toby the Boy on TikTok. What's a custodian? I want to say cleaner, but I don't know. Okay, let's move on from that. But Toby, if you want to let us know, do. I'm just Googling. I thought it would be like a night watchman, like the... The guy that sits in front of the camera is like a little security guard, so that's not what I was picturing at all. No, it is. Oh, no, it could be both. It could be both. It says a person employed to clean and maintain a building or a person who has responsibility of taking care and protecting something. (gasps) So it could be both. It could be both. So I am instantly thinking of Ben Stiller in Night at the Museum. That's what I'm seeing in my head. Does your building come alive? Does it? Toby the boy, does it come alive? I don't know why we're waiting. We're not going to answer now. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we all waiting? (laughs) I would have been very freaked out if someone had answered then. (laughs) (laughs) Do we think we're on the radio? Is that what we're thinking? We're not a radio show. We don't have people calling in. <laughs> do you know, people do that. I need to look into it. We could get people calling in when we're, when we're recording. That'd be funny. Oh, but we're all so introverted. We won't answer the phone. We'll panic. Oh, no, yeah. I'll open, answer the phone. I like a phone. Oh, do you? I'm like, yeah, it'll ring and I'll phone. chuck it across the room. I'm like... <laughs> I'll hiss and hide behind the sofa. That reminds me, when I was editing last week, Bex, you know sometimes you like Sean Connery, like you're aware that you do that. Like if there's a word with shh in it, quite, you know. You oh, yeah, sh- like shmush, shmush, shmush. Yeah, 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 yeah you, you do a bit of that. But last week you were hissing <laughs> quite a few times. You were tripping over your words, but actual like <laughs> was coming out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I just had a, a leak somewhere and I was deflating. <laughs> I'll be really aware of it now, so I'm going to be like, nah. I won't want to say words with S's in. Every time you went Sean Connery, it was, there was a bit of a... <laughs> oh dear, well, what will this week bring, eh? Hey, I don't know. Right, me to start. Oh, yeah, we were talking about this uh, just before I start my story very quickly. If you would like a Spine Chillers and Serial Killers screensaver or a phone screensaver, we have that in our little podcast art folder. Oh, yeah. 
and we are willing to give them out to you if you want one. So just send us an email with your email address and we can give that to you. Logo in high definition, yo-yo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Only the best. And, you know, it's all free. We're doing it out of the kindness of our hearts. So, you know, if you wanted to leave us a little review somewhere, that'd be cool. Yeah. Very much appreciated. But yeah, do that. It's a very cool logo. And yeah, it's in high definition and it's on my computer and it looks badass. So yeah, if you want one, we will give it to you. Oh, yeah. Not like that, Becky. (laughs) Oh, no, I didn't mean it. No, I just meant like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, you ready for some ghost stories? Born ready, mate. Born ready. I'm going to tell you the story of Don Decker. Well... The the name already has me on the edge of my seat. It is a good name, Don Decker. It sounds like a power tool. It does. I think it's because you're thinking of Black and Decker. Yeah, it is. But carry on. He became well-known after a series of unexplained things happened to him in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania in 1983. Don Decker, who was 21 at the time, was on compassionate leave from Monroe County Correctional Facility where he was serving time for receiving stolen property. He was on leave to be able to attend his grandfather's funeral. Don was not upset at all about the fact that his grandfather had passed away. In fact, he was happy because his grandfather was a massive asshole that had <laughs> abused and hurt Don throughout his childhood. Sorry, oh, I didn't wow. mean to laugh. I feel bad for laughing now. Yeah, she was like, and he, he died. Ha! You, no, no, but it was because you were like, he was a massive, massive asshole. Yeah. And then you carried on your sentence, which, okay. I just, just thought, went to prove that yeah, he yeah, was yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. He was just a massive asshole, yeah. Okay. However, at the funeral, he became upset by his family that were now, of course, you know, when people die, it's like they became saints and they never did anything wrong. Yeah. And- yeah. All his family are there singing his grandfather's praises and saying what a good man he was. So Don's getting a bit pissed off by this. But then, in their defence, his family didn't know that the abuse had been going on, so... Yeah, well, yeah. Well, did they? Because normally when there's abuse going on, they have a little inkling. No, nothing? As far as I know, nothing. But... This led to an argument with his family and they said that they didn't want him to stay with them during his leave. So he went to stay with some friends called Bob and Jeannie Kiefer. Welcome to the story, guys. (laughs) Don went upstairs to use the bathroom and to wash up before dinner when he suddenly began feeling a strange change in the atmosphere. It turned cold and he became unsteady and confused and he fell to the floor. He said he saw the image of an old man wearing a crown in a window and he was laughing at Don. (laughs) After the episode was over, he picked himself up and he felt a strange stabbing pain on his arm. He looked down and saw long, deep, bleeding scratches. Ooh. That's not what you expect when you're washing your hands, is it? Not really. He pulled his sleeves down and went for dinner. He decided not to speak of what had just happened, thinking he he would sound crazy. He would. Well, a little bit. (laughs) But as he reached for a plate, Bob saw the blood on his arm and asked what had happened. Don then confessed to what had happened in the bathroom, and he said that he was convinced that he'd been attacked by the devil. He could have, like, been gardening and forgot about it. He'd been gardening? Are these big gouges or were they little scratches? Really deep, long scratches, Beck. Were you not listening? That he's got on his arm just after seeing a weird laughing man in a window wearing a crown. Okay, okay, fine. Fine. (laughs) Gardening never came into... And he's just been to a funeral. He hasn't had time. And after before that, he's in prison. Like... (laughs) Well, gardening. no excuses. He could have been gardening. <laughs> okay, carry on. We'll forget about the gardening. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the family and Don went into the sitting room after dinner when they all heard loud bangs coming from upstairs and then they saw it, or should I say they felt it? Ooh. 
it was rain. It began to rain in... Rain in the house, Jumanji. Yeah, it it began to rain in their house, huge droplets falling on them. Everyone (gasps) got up and they were trying to figure out what was going on. Everyone except Don. He just sat there like in a trance, thinking possibly it could be from a leak. I mean, that's a logical go-to reasoning. Mm. Bob rings his landlord, Ron Van Wy. What are these names? Ron Van Wy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Y. It could be Way, but it's spelt Y. So, yeah, I think that's how it's pronounced. He was reluctant to come out because it's late in the evening, but Bob insisted that this was urgent, and so Ron arrived at the Kiefer house. He was stunned by what he saw the rain pouring down in the living room. He and Bob went to check all the plumbing, but they couldn't find any reason for the downpour. Quote, We decided maybe it was the plumbing, but there was no pipes in the front end of the house to leak. There was basically nothing there that water could have come from. After watching it for a while, I discovered that it wasn't only coming from the ceiling down, it came from the wall over or from the floor up. There was no basic direction that it was coming from. It could come from anywhere. End quote. So as you've understood, the raindrops were not only falling downwards, but also up from the floor and from one side of the room to the other, completely defying the laws of gravity. Yeah. Ron decided to call his wife to come and see what was going on. And they also called the police because they knew they needed some kind of help, but they weren't sure what kind. Romain Van Wy arrived, but she was just as confused as everyone else, and she was followed by police officers Walbert and Bojan. Walbert said, quote, We were standing just inside the front door and met this droplet of water travelling horizontally. It passed between us and just travelled out into the next room. Bojan added, I literally had a chill going up my spine. It made the hair stand up on your neck. That's how I felt. This was a situation where things were happening that I never ever dreamed could possibly happen and there was no way of explaining what was going on. The police left to file a report and the Kiefers and Don went across the street to a restaurant to grab some pizzas because it's perfect time for a pizza party apparently. Well, when when isn't a good time for pizza? <laughs> <laughs> it's always time for pizza. So it's as if inside the house is like a distorted reality. It's all kind of mixed up. Yeah, a bit. I hadn't thought of it like that. I was just like, the rain's all fucked up. But yeah. (laughs) The rain is fucked. Crazy fucking rain. (laughs) Damn, nature, you scary. The Van Wyse stayed at the house. So they're the landlords. So they stayed to further inspect what on earth could be happening. But as the family left, so did the rain. Oh. Yeah. So they became convinced that it had something to do with either Bob, Jeannie or Don. In the restaurant, the Kiefer's told the owner about everything that had been going on and she took one look at Don and said, he looks possessed. Oh, imagine turning around looking at your friend after someone saying that. (laughs) He was still in a trance looking at people but not really seeing them. He just looked to not be there anymore. And then it began to rain inside the pizzeria. Oh, my God. The owner grabbed a crucifix she had in her cash register. No idea why she had one there, but she did. Well, lucky she did. Yeah, and she placed it on Don's forehead and it burned him. Ooh. There was now no denying that Don was the one making it rain. Even if he didn't realise he was doing it, it was definitely attached to him. Once back at home, Romain confronted Don, shouting at him to stop it. It was, after all, causing substantial amounts of water damage to their property. But the more angry she got, the stranger things became. Don remembers what happened next. Quote, the pots and pans over the stove started rattling. That's when I got levitated off the floor. I was just, like, floating. Then it was like a push. It wasn't like somebody taking their hand and pushing me. It was like feeling it all over your body all at once. I'm a big guy, you know. I've always been assertive and that made me feel like a newborn, you know. I'm scared right now just talking about it, really. 
Oh, bless him. Unquote. A few hours after the incident, the police officers arrived with their chief. He saw the rain. He saw the droplets going up and sideways. He saw everything. And yet, being the stern type, he said that it was just plumbing issues and that they were going to leave and no police report would be filed on the matter. But Jan and Walbert, who were the original police officers, they were confused but felt like maybe their chief was overwhelmed by the situation. He had nothing to offer to help and he really just wanted to get out of there and so that's what they did. However, after hearing the stories, three other officers returned to the house the next day to see for themselves and sure enough they too saw the rain. One of the officers called Bill Davis gave Don a cross to hold but it burnt his hand and he threw it down. The officer picked it up and sure it felt hot but not like burn your skin hot. Lieutenant John Rundle was also there that day and he saw Don levitate off the ground and get thrown across the room into a wall followed by three large gash marks appearing on his neck. Oh yeah although he wished he could find a rational explanation there just wasn't one. The landlord had had enough and asked a preacher to come and help. It took many attempts as every other Catholic or Protestant priest or minister had turned them all down. As the preacher began to pray, Don began to convulse, and then a sort of calm feeling came over the house. Don regained his senses and the rain stopped, and all the water disappeared. Don returned to prison thinking that that was the last of it, but it wasn't. The guards noticed that something was off about Decker, and within a few days the rain returned. Don was in a high-security cell with another inmate and he remembers thinking he should make it rain in there, and he did. And it was then that he became convinced that it was him that was controlling it. A sceptical guard dared Don to make it rain on the warden, Dave Keenhold. And sure enough, around 8pm that evening, without the warden even noticing, his shirt became soaked with water and began drooping down by the weight. The guard walked in and was horrified because he knew about the dare. Look at your shirt, he said. Oh, but it clinged to his nipples. Mm, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it was then that the warden called the Reverend William Blackburn and said, we need your help. The Reverend met Don, who explained that he could control the rain and that crucifixes burnt his skin. Reverend Blackburn asked Don to stop lying and to admit he was making it all up. And just as he did, the whole atmosphere changed. It became heavy and oppressing. Quote, All of a sudden his demeanour changed and this smell came into the room. Nurses and doctors, medical people say when you walk into a room where someone is dying with a cancer or something, usually there's a smell. You can tell when you walk in the room. I smelled a smell like that, multiplied five times at least. Evil, foreboding. He raised his hands and rubbed his fingers together and all of a sudden it started to rain. It was like the devil's rain. It was a mist. I was in the presence of evil. I opened up the Bible and started to read to him, but the pages never got wet. So help me. It was a frightening thing. I think I was praying more for me than for him. I prayed and it was only for a brief period and the rain stopped. Unquote. Don changed as well. He no longer had that frightening look to him. The room felt peaceful and normal. The smell had gone and all the water. Don hugged the Reverend and thanked him. Reverend Blackburn has no doubt that Don was possessed by something evil. There's just no way he could have done what he did without it being something spiritual. But it was not from God. Of that he was certain. Don never made it rain again, but he remains convinced that it was all his grandfather's doing. He'd abused him in life and wanted to torture him one last time in death. This case remains one of the most interesting and intriguing as it was witnessed by so many credible people, police officers, prison guards, the Reverend, the Kiefers, the Von Wise, and they have never changed their stories. And they are all, to this day, convinced that they witnessed something otherworldly as they just have no other explanation. And there you go, the story of Don Decker, otherwise known as the Rain Man. Oh. 
That is wild. That is. I really enjoyed that. Me too. Thanks, Em. Well, short and to the point. Yeah. Weird dude can make it rain. I'm going to blow your minds a little bit more now. I forgot to do this in the beginning. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to send you a photo in the group chat. (gasps) Hold on a goddamn minute. The duct tape. Yeah. Yeah. No, but hold on. Duct tape brand. So it is a thing. So we weren't wrong all those years. No, but I'm confused. It's so confusing. So a listener... Right, I'm going to explain. I will post this to our Facebook page. Our debate last week, me and Becky, about duct tape, that we thought it's called duct tape, but it's actually duct tape. A listener then sent me a photo of a roll of duct tape that's called duct tape with a duck on it. But then it says underneath, brand duct tape. What the fuck in the alternate universe is this shit? (laughs) I don't know. Do you think that it was duct tape and then duct tape the brand was like, everyone calls it duct tape anyway, so we might as well brand it? Hold on. I've Googled it. It says the original though. Yeah, but I can send out an ice cream and say the original ice cream. That doesn't mean anything. It says today, duct tape refers to a range of tapes manufactured using three components. I thought you were going to say using ducks. I was like, fuck, that's (laughs) Using three ducks. (laughs) It says using a rubber base, adhesive, cloth and a backing. The term duct tape today refers to a specific brand of duct tape. Duck brand, duct tape tape takes its name from the original name of duct tape yeah so we weren't wrong so duct tape is a thing anyway there yeah blew my mind we were right there is a duct tape that's a duct tape so there you go wild i mean my mind is still blown is it blown you to get over the rain man and the duct tape should we put a trailer on yeah. Yeah. Now. Go on then. Down this road is a small city once thriving and full of life, but now desolate and abandoned. Well, abandoned save for the horrors rumored to reside within, which I presume is why you're here. Now, there's nothing wrong with a little morbid curiosity, but please, remember to stay close to your guides. We wouldn't want anyone to get left behind now. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Nopeville, the city filled with all the terrifying and horrible things that make you say nope. Nope. We're your tour guides. I'm Jen. And I'm Christine. And we invite you to join our tours through the city, including all things paranormal, true crime, and supernatural. From haunted places to possessions. From serial killers to cults. From zombies to cryptids. You can find out more on our website at nopevillepodcast.com. And catch a tour today wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Right, so shall I get on my story? Yes, please. Yeah. So this story was a listener suggestion. Thanks, listener. But I don't know who it was because it was you, Emma, that messaged me with it but ages ago. Okay. end of last year. I probably won't know either, but thank you very much, listener. Yeah, thank you so much. Next time I'll try and give a shout out to whoever writes this in. Yeah, this uh, story this week revolves around a guy called Andrew Kehoe. So that's spelt like keyhole, but without the L. (laughs) Andrew Kehoe was born in Michigan in 1872. Oh, good. So nice and old, but it's still horrible. He was the eldest of six children and grew up on his family's farm. Kehoe attended the Michigan Agricultural College, which is now Michigan State University. He went there for a year, but dropped out due to financial difficulties, though he would go on to tell everyone that listened to him that he graduated Agricultural College, which was untrue. 
His mother died when he was 18 and his father would eventually marry again some years later. So after that, he left home. He worked as a lineman and an electrician in St. Louis. I thought you said a lion man. And I was like, what's that? It's like like a circus job, you know, when you're there with your chair and your whip. No, I can see where you went where you went for that, but not a lineman and electrician. Electrics. Yeah. Very different jobs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but just as risky, I suppose, because one day while he was at work, he was electrocuted and fell from an electrical pole. You would not get that with a lion. No, you, you might get do. mauled to death, but no falling or electrocution. Yeah. This fall was really bad. And he lost consciousness and kind of went into, not a coma, but took a while to come around. He was rather concussed. Yes. And he was like in a semi-conscious state for nearly two months. So it took a long time for him to get back. Shit. Yeah. After this. A little bit of a brain injury there, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Maybe a little bit of the old TBI. After this... His family said that his whole personality changed and that most likely he had suffered TBI, which is a traumatic brain injury. After this accident, he returned to live with his father and his stepmom, but also their new baby, so which is, which is his half-sister. Yeah. Kehoe did not get on with his stepmom and he didn't really like his sister much either. Not great family living then. No. He also, because he didn't like his sister, he threatened to kill her cat. Well, right. I'm putting my foot down now, Andrew. You leave the fucking cat alone, mate. Yeah. But unfortunately, Kehoe would eventually follow through on his threats and he did kill the cat. Fucking dickhead. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking hate people that are cruel to animals. Yeah, well, this is a running theme with this guy. He's not the nicest to animals. (sighs) So this is horrific. It starts straight away with the cat, and then it goes on to this, which is also horrible. One day, his stepmom was cooking dinner, and all of a sudden, the stove that she was cooking on kind of blew up. It malfunctioned or something. It was like a gasoline stove. So it blew up, and it was a fuel stove, so it was like a, an oil fire. Yeah. Keyhole ran into the kitchen after hearing this big bang and kind of sees his stepmom on the floor covered in fire. And he kind of just stares at her for a minute, realised what's happened, and then he grabs um, a pail of water and throws it on her. So do you guys know what happens when you throw water on an oil fire? Well, it's just going to make it worse. <laughs> Yeah, it like explodes almost sometimes. So yeah, it makes it worse. It kind of spreads the oil and fire everywhere. You shouldn't do that. So just so that you know, a little reminder for safety, should I ever sprinkle like flour on them or a blanket, just something that will put out the fire that way and don't chuck anything on it. When he chucked the water on her, this made the fire worse and thus liquefied parts of her flesh on most of her body. Well, that's horrendous. Yeah. By this time, his dad had run in the room. He ran to a neighbour's house, so he needed to go to the nearest neighbour who had a phone. So when he got to his neighbour's house, she said she would later say that he didn't seem that worked up. He just seemed like very matter of fact, like we need to the doctor down. And then he kind of stared at her and she was like, why is someone sick? And he said, no, my stepmom needs a, needs a doctor. She's been burnt. But he didn't run in the house saying the oven's exploded and she's on fire. He was just like, no, she's been burnt and we need the doctor. I'm torn here with this guy. I had a bad reaction about the cat because I, you know, don't like people being cruel to animals. But... Let's not forget this guy's fallen from an electric pole and has been like in and out of consciousness for two months and has an obvious brain injury. Yeah. Well, back then, the obvious brain injury was probably wasn't as obvious. They weren't. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you know, he was better. He's not like in a uncon, you know, semi-conscious state at the minute. But yeah, he's still recovering from the injury. Oh yeah, I know he's I know he's like back up and talking and everything, but his personality's changed. He's uh, It's almost like a disability. He can't help it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what they think is when he fell off the pole that he yeah, he smacked his head. And when you do that, your brain swells. So yeah. they think that he had brain damage, like a, not a huge amount because he was still functional, but they think that there was some brain damage there. Well, it's obviously his emotions are all fucked up. Yeah. Like his empathy and yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's not, it's not going on, is it? It's not happening. No. And again, with the water, did he do that on purpose? I don't no, think he did. apparently they said that... He should have known. Well, then again, he did have a head injury, so did he forget? But because he was working in as an electrician and like he was working as a mechanic at one point as well that I didn't mention earlier, he should have known a little bit more about fires and that you don't put an oil fire out with water. So he could have done it on purpose. But yeah, I don't... I think... I swear you could go and ask a mechanic now, how do you put out an oil fire? And they'd probably wouldn't know <laughs> i don't know i think it just depends i think most people would know and they're just going get the no, anyway. you, you have to know because um you have to there's, know well yeah. there's certain areas where you work so like, oh let's not forget she's fire chief or whatever mrs megaphone yeah <laughs> you have fire training so in the environments where there are likely to be fires like a mechanic they will know how to deal yeah with that. oh i'm glad well, that's good. That cleared that up. <laughs> and the fire extinguishers they're provided with are the correct ones. So yeah, but you have to have where you work. Like that's that's like a law. So yeah, yeah, and they have to be checked every year by the fire department. Mechanics, no, don't worry. Yeah, good, glad. Unless they've got brain injury or they're doing it on purpose because of the brain injury. Yeah. Well, yeah. As he was explaining all this to his neighbour, she didn't realise how serious it was until he said, actually, maybe you should also call a priest. And then she was like, oh, shit, this is urgent. They get the doctor out. But unfortunately, his stepmom would suffer in agony for two hours before passing away from her injuries because they were just too severe. That is just an absolutely horrendous way to die. Yeah. So that's pretty traumatic, even if you didn't like your stepmom. So in 1911, Kehoe married Ellen, or her nickname was Nellie, so Nellie Price. She was a school teacher from a neighbouring town. That's such an old-timey name, isn't it? Nellie Price. Yeah, Nellie. He was over 40 at the time and she was 37, so that was like super late to marry in those times. 40 and 37. Yeah. 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 So the couple had no children. And their marriage was reportedly a little bit troubled, mainly to the way that Kehoe acted. He was known to be a very difficult and demanding person. He was quick to anger. And also he was very controlling. He liked his house to be run a certain way. Everything had to be just so. His appearance was very important to him. A little bit narcissistic with everything that he did. He did like saying to everyone, I am this, I am that, I am the best person ever and couldn't take criticism in any way. Despite all that, they were farmers. So they own a farm, and where they were living at the time, I think it was in Iowa, he didn't get on with his neighbours very well, mainly to the fact that one day he'd bought some livestock, I think two cows, off uh, a neighbour, and then a few days later he let them eat something that they shouldn't have eaten in their field, and they died. They all got ill, and two of them died. And then he sold like their hides and stuff. And then he went back to his neighbor and said, "Right, well, I want half my money back because you sold me like faulty <laughs> livestock." And his neighbor refused. And then he was like, "Fuck you!" And then they never spoke again. He couldn't take the fact that it was his wrongdoing yeah. that caused the the animals to die. And it wasn't the animal dying that was the problem. It was the fact that it was money that he lost. Yeah. They ended up not being that well-liked in their little village because he kept falling out with people. Because he sounds like a bit of a dickhead, really. He is a little bit of an asshole. 
someone in Nelly's family died and they owned a farm. And this was like a perfect opportunity for them to like move and get a fresh start. So they sold their farm for $6,000 and moved to Bath, Michigan. So when they sold the house, they put down the $6,000 as a down payment on this farm, which is a lot bigger. So the farm that they were buying was worth $12,000. And it was Nellie's family that owned the mortgage for it. They put the $6,000 down payment, so half was paid, and then they had to pay about $300 a month to Nellie's family until they'd paid off their mortgage, which was great. Yep. Yep, right. So, yeah, they moved to this new farm, new town, new part of America. Happy, happy. Yep. They started farming all this new land. But, like, the neighboring farmers describe Kehoe as being a bit of a strange farmer because instead of wearing the classic green or blue farmer overalls that we've all seen before. Yep, still see them quite often to this day. Yep. He'd actually like to wear a suit. Yes, a fucking suit when he was out doing his farmer stuff. And when the suit got dirty or he got a little bit too sweaty, he'd go home and change. Into a different suit. Into a different suit. You did say he was quite funny about his appearance. Yeah, but still, who's going to see you on a farm? The cows? He's not right in the head, though, is he, this guy? Mm, so neighbouring farmers said Kehoe's farm was tidier than a lot of the houses in the area. So experts now, when they look back on this story, they say that he probably suffered from OCD and OCPD. What's OCPD? So OCD is Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. OCPD is Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder. Okay. Oh. So, you know, both come with, like, intrusive thoughts and, like, really overthinking everything and everything have to be in just so. And his, like, quest for perfection in a task would also stop him doing everything. So instead, he'd, instead of doing this, like, three tasks, he'll get stuck on the first one because he hasn't been able to do it right to the perfection that he wanted. Yeah. So... Unfortunately, all that time spent changing clothes and trying to get things just perfect took time away from actual farm work, which wasn't being done. And the Kehoe's farm wasn't making them enough money and they were barely keeping their heads above water. Because I bet she's in there scrubbing every inch of dirt. And all the bloody suits every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't respect his work animals either or like his livestock. So he was known to run his workhorses into the ground on more than one occasion, killing them when they showed signs of just pure exhaustion. <sighs> Apparently, you like beat one of them to death because it fell on the floor because it was so tired. He beat a horse to death. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Piece of shit. Yeah, his lack of empathy or well-being for the animals was seen by his neighbours too, because one of his neighbours' dogs went missing and Kehoe said that he had killed it for coming on his land. He's a dickhead. He just said, oh no, I killed it because it came on my land. Like, he's not even hiding it, he's just yeah. like, yeah. Just, just in the way that, like, it. oh yeah, I, um, I dropped that off the other day. You know, it's like, oh, I went shopping the other day. Oh yeah, I killed the dog. And that's it. It's very, very indifferent and just yeah. no, absolutely no... Well, there's no emotion. It's like a robot. The experts, like, looking at how he's written about so that he's, they think that he definitely had um, either narcissistic or possibly even, like, psychotic, a bit of a psycho, really, you know. With his money troubles, when Kehoe found out that the town had plans to build a school, like a larger secondary school for the local children and the town's neighbouring villages could all attend the same school because, like, children over a certain age, I think it was just, like, 13 or 14, in the area that they were in, they just went and worked on the farms. They didn't yeah. need to stay in education. Yeah. So it was, like, a new thing. So it kind of met pushback at first, whereas, you know, it was it was getting funding a little bit and and then all of a sudden people were really for it. You know, it was a really good idea. However, building a school costs money. So when Bath School opened in 1922, 
the local property taxes had been increased in order to pay for the new building. Kehoe was openly against this. He found that the, the new taxes were just way too high. He couldn't afford them. So what he did is he decided to put himself forward to be elected to the school board in 1924. And then he was named treasurer for the school. So in that position, he fought sometimes unreasonably to decrease the school's costs. So he was often knocking heads with the school superintendent, Emery Hike. So Hike would want to budget for things like books for the school or desks and other things to put in there. Whereas Kehoe was like, no, fuck you. Those children don't need books or desks. I don't have children, so they're not allowed to have anything. What do you think this is, a school for learning things? <laughs> yeah. Future generations, pa. <laughs> Anytime Hike would try and request budgets for things, he was just like, nope. Because of his position as the treasurer, Kehoe was actually quite well-liked, and the fact that he was a local farmer put him a bit higher up on what people thought of him. Hike was also pretty well-liked because he was building this school, you know, it was good just getting all the kids their education and stuff. In spring 1925, he was appointed to take the place of a recently deceased township clerk, which gave him the keys for all the school's property. So he got, like, the run of the whole school. Yeah, that's not a good idea. No, but he lost the position in the election the following year because his own party wouldn't even nominate him as a candidate. Oh, well, there you go. They knew. Yeah, because of his issues with Hike and his really overbearing nature. He was just wanting to control everything. If it didn't go his way, he'd have a little fit. You know, there we are. Then after that, he would run for the position of Justice of the Peace, which is a thing. But he was defeated in, like, a landslide election. Like, absolutely no one voted for him. So he was, like, humiliated after that. So that's two things that he was refused for. So while he was being all into his politics and stuff, because he was doing that, he didn't really have a lot of time for the farm. He'd ceased farming and stopped making his mortgage payments. And he still blamed his money troubles on the increase, increasing tax burden... Uh, on the rising influence of the local business community, he just became increasingly bitter and re resentful towards the community, particularly in relation to taxes. At the same time, his financial situation was further complicated by the economic downturn of, of the late 1920s, which had a severe impact on farmers and rural communities. Yeah, so because he was neglecting his farm and his crops, his crops were literally rotting in the fields. Then Nellie became ill, needing numerous trips to hospital, more bills, more financial burdens. And because by this point, Kehoe had decided that he'd paid too much to the farm, so he's not going to pay for the mortgage repayments anymore out of principle because he was scammed into paying too much money. That's oh. not how that works. No, no but, you, you know. can't really change your mind about that. <laughs> not like years afterwards. I mean, and also housing prices go up and down. You know, there we are. It's just how it is. Then Nellie's family sent them a foreclosure bill, which they tried to cancel once they found out that Nellie was in poor health. But unfortunately, uh, it was too late to cancel it because it had already been delivered to Kehoe. So I'm not sure if it's in the rural communities, it's the sheriff that delivers these things. Because when he was served the paperwork by the sheriff, he shouted and started having a gigantic meltdown. And he said, if it wasn't for the school tax, I would have paid the mortgage and uh, blaming it all on that. And the school tax was $300. So I think that was just once, though, a one-off payment. Yeah. So that was like, yeah, it is a lot of money. And I'm sure in the 1920s, $300 was way more than what $300 is now. But he was just blaming it all on everyone else. It wasn't the fact that he abandoned his own farm that was causing it to fail. Of course not. It can't be his fault. Nope. 
Kehoe's blaming this, his situation on the taxes shows how narcissistic, how much of a, a narcissistic personality he has. They love to blame everyone else for their shortcomings. So this is what brings me to the 18th of May. On that day, Kehoe's neighbours saw his house was on fire and they became running over to see the house. As they were kind of looking through the smoke, it looked like it had exploded. It was like all open and there was fire all inside. And then they kind of looked to the side and through the smoke came Kehoe's truck just like coming through the smoke like something out of the movies. And he said to his friends, hey, you're my friends. Now get out of here and go see the school. Oh, shit. Where's Nelly? Nelly, they will find her a bit later, but Nelly was in the house covered in all of her belongings, all of her medical bills. They think that he killed her up to two days before. Wow. And then he put dynamite in his house and blew up his house. Fucking hell. And this is the 1920s, so you could just buy dynamite in the shop. That's insane. I know. Kehoe had actually been collecting dynamite and other explosive materials and equipment from various sources for months. He had rigged the entire school building with dynamite and homemade bombs. Kehoe's plan was to detonate the explosives during school hours, killing as many people, so children, as possible. Why? Well, because it's all their fault, Tash. Yeah. He doesn't have kids and he's like, why do I have to pay for those? And, you know, if it wasn't that for that one bill of $300, nothing bad would have happened. But that he was farming in a suit had nothing to do with it. No. And the fact that he beat his animals to death... Classes at Bath School began at 8.30am. Kehoe had set an alarm clock in the basement of the school's north wing, which detonated the dynamite and pyrotol that he had hidden there at about 8.45am. Rescuers heading to the scene of Kehoe's farm fire heard the explosion at the school building and turned back in that direction. Oh, God, 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 God. Parents within the rural community rushed to the school. Parents were frantically clawing at the rubble, trying to get their children and anyone buried underneath it out. They could see arms and legs sticking out of the rubble. Oh, fuck Some were pulled out alive and then some were not. The school building resembled a war zone. An eyewitness called Robert Gates said that the scene was pure chaos Mother after mother came running into the schoolyard and demanded information about their children. One mother that he saw saw that one of her children was there lying on the lawn, lifeless. Oh, shit. The north wing of the school had collapsed, leaving the edge of the roof on the ground. Another witness recalled that there was a pile of children, about five or six of them, under the roof. Robert Gates volunteered to drive back to his farm and get a rope heavy enough to pull the school roof off the children's bodies. Returning to his farm, he saw Kehoe driving in the opposite direction towards the school. Kehoe apparently grinned and waved his hand at him. What a piece of shit. Yeah. When he grinned, I could see both rows of his teeth. Oh, that's terrifying. Awful, isn't it? Yeah, so then Kehoe went and pulled his truck up to the school. And as he pulled up to the school, he spotted Amory Hike. So he's like a little nemesis. Yeah. And he waved him over to his truck. And, you know, Amory, because of the horrific scene, what was going on, he he probably just thought that he's trying to help. So he called him over to his truck. And then Kehoe picked up a shotgun. Oh, God! Hike saw it, thinking he was trying to shoot him, and tried to grab it off him. And then Kehoe fired the gun into the explosives that he'd stored in the back of his truck. And he'd filled his truck with, like, ball bearings, nails, you know, basically everything that was in those pressure cooker bombs that, um, yeah, like the Boston Marathon, those that pop open and shrapnel goes flying everywhere. 
So this explosion immediately killed himself. Hike, a man called Nelson McFarren, who was a retired farmer. And tragically, a little boy called Cleo Clayton, who was an eight-year-old second grader, and he just survived the first blast in the school and wandered out of the building, and he was killed by the shrapnel from the exploding vehicle. This is horrendous. Horrific, isn't it? So, yeah, many people received life-changing injuries from the school blast and then the second blast. Telephone operators stayed on this at the stations for hours to summon doctors, undertakers, area hospital workers, and anyone else who might help. Some parents had got their children and were taking them to the local hospital, but the hospital, a local physician, J.A. Crum and his wife, who was a nurse, both had served in the First World War. So they turned their Bath Township drugstore into like a triage centre. The dead bodies were at first like left on this little hilly green and then they were taken down to the town hall, which was used as a morgue. Hundreds of people worked on the wreckage all day and into the night in an effort to find and rescue any children that were pinned underneath. Area contractors sent all of their men to assist and many other people came to the scene in response to the police for help. Eventually, 34 firefighters and the chief of the Lansing Fire Department arrived, as did several Michigan state police officers that were there to like manage traffic and get people away from the scene. There were also some sickos that kind of found out about it and came and like took not took pictures, but one of them took part of... I don't know how they got access to the car, I suppose, because it was all like chaos and that. They picked off like a bit of intestine that was on the car and put it into like a glass jar filled with... What the is it formaldehyde? Yeah, like these little deathling people just Ew. came and picked off a bit of like monkey, yeah, part of the killer kind of thing and put it into a jar. So the Bath School disaster was a devastating event that shocked the nation and left a lasting impact on the community. The attack claimed the lives of 38 elementary school children and six adults, including the killer. It also injured many others. The tragedy prompted a wave of reforms in school safety and security, including the adoption of safety drills and regulations governing the use of explosives, The tragedy also raised questions about the mental health of the perpetrator and the role that social isolation and economic hardship can play in driving an individual to commit violent acts. In the case of Kehoe, his resentment towards the community and his sense of powerlessness in the face of his economic downfall. So, yeah, that was one of the worst school massacres in American history. And I've remembered the listener who sent that in as a suggestion. It was Joey. Oh, thank you, Joey. So thanks, Joey, for that. Yeah. Wow. That was horrendous. Yeah. Harrowing. It was horrible. And it was weird because I pictured the school and it looks exactly how I pictured it in my head. Oh, really? Yeah. But and in black and white, <laughs> so cause I pictured it in black and white. So I wonder if I saw that on like some. Well, I swear I didn't. But anyway, yeah, that's the uh, Bath School disaster. The thing that gets me, I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but I feel like that was really preventable. Yeah, I feel like there were so many red flags that this guy was not okay. Yeah, but well, in a month's time today, it will be ninety-six years ago. Wow. <sighs> and you know what the saddest thing is, is that that still happened. Like, maybe not to that magnitude, but... Yeah, well, they have a school shooting in America, like, every year. Or if not more than that. Oh, it's more than that. Yeah, but at least once a year. And what, in, in the UK, we had, like, one, and then they banned all... Yeah. You know. Let's not get into that. That was... That's my story for this week. Thanks, Bex. A lot of the... um sources that i was finding they didn't mention the head injury at all they just mentioned the sick wife the money and everything was i think the head injury is like a massive part of it well that's when he switched Um, yeah exactly 
And that's when his family said, right, well, he changed. And that's why I'm saying it was preventable, because at some point somebody should have said, you know what? He's not actually okay, and maybe he should be put into a facility somewhere, you know? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. Beating a horse to death? That's not normal. It's not normal. Yeah, that's right, randomly killing your neighbour's dog? That isn't normal too? No. And then blowing up a school where children are on purpose. I mean, he could have blown up the school at night if he didn't like the school. He could have blown up the school at night when no one was there. He just wanted to kill a load of kids. Yeah, he wanted to kill people. He definitely yeah. wanted to kill people. Oh, yeah. Oh, and there was this. Where has it gone? What he did was he left a note at his farm. So he left it on the fence, which was away from his farm, so it wouldn't catch on fire. He left a note saying, criminals are made, not born. Oh. So again, he was just blaming his behaviour on everyone, everyone else. else. Yeah. Again, not taking not his responsibility fault. for his own accident. So yeah, I'm blowing this up, but it's not my fault. Everyone made me do it. Complete psychopath. No empathy, no emotion. No- I mean, not obviously not to the point like that, but the amount of people that I know that are like that, that never take responsibility for their actions. And they're like, no, it's not my fault. And no, it's not this. No, it's not that. There are too many people in this world that act like that. And I'm the complete opposite. Something can be absolutely nothing to do with me. And I'd be like, are you angry with me because of this? And the, and the person will be like, what are you on about? Well, I don't know, but are you cross with me? Mm, I wouldn't be like that. But if I've done something wrong, I'll be like, yeah, shit, sorry, that was me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm just convinced um, everyone's pissed at me all the time. You're paranoid, so that's all. <laughs> <laughs> They're after me, don't tell people. Shh. Shh. No, you never do anything wrong, so it's fine. I mean, I'm sure I do. And as you say, I would confess to it immediately. But I'm always very aware of like not upsetting people, not doing the wrong thing, not saying the wrong thing. Do you know what I mean? I'm like the complete opposite of... Yeah, I usually don't really think about it until I'm trying to sleep. And then they'd be like, hey, think of all, look at all these things that you've said today that could have been taken the wrong way. Maybe they thought this. (laughs) I do that. And it tortures you. I still think about things. And it's just like, no. Anyway... Tash, horror song time, baby. Yeah, so I have one and I now feel really awkward about doing it, but it's almost like a little segue. All right. here we go. Okay. They do what millions of children do on a daily basis. Getting up, having breakfast and rushing out the door. The things that happen today should never happen again. Our children should be learning about I before E, except after C, not where to hide when that alarm blasts. They should be hearing their classmates singing Do Re Mi, not crying in fear. Their education isn't complete. The teachers should be doing ABCs, 123s, not worrying about crazed shooters. When will it end? When will it end? Are we connected through some sort of weird brain? It's so bizarre, isn't it? Because me and Emma did this last week, well, for the past two weeks. Oh, that's very strange. (laughs) Also, I know what that song is. I know what that is. You can follow us on social media. We would love that. We are on Facebook under Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. And you can also find us on YouTube if you want to listen to the podcast over there. Again, Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. And we are on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at SCSK underscore podcast. And you can email Becky. I'm just doing it all. I'm just reeling it off. You can email Becky at chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. What, what? All done. Just did it. Just blasted it all right then tash see us out babes stay safe guys don't kill people and keep it weird bye
Oh, I've got a burp coming. I can feel oh, it. Oh, for God's sake, she's always burping. It's always like <laughs> brewing. It's always like, because I always drink a tea before we start. It kind of gets a little plug of tea just above the burp. <laughs> oh, Poppy's just burped as well. <laughs> oh, there you go. Everybody's fucking burping. They're, they're all going on the bloopers. So every single week that you talk about your burps. Ah! So everyone's just going to think it's Becky the burper. <laughs> Kiha went over to a neighbour's house, the closest neighbour. A massive fuck-off jet just went by and I made me shit myself. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys hear that? Could you hear it? Yeah, yeah, I I heard it. Oh, it scared me to death. Oh, I hope it's not Putin. Um, So, where am I? So, yeah. Is it? I can't hold on. No, we'll do it later. Right. Bam bam. Ah. Uh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>